For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. What's up, everyone, and welcome to a new edition of Believe in Falcons. I'm your host, Will McFadden. You can follow me on Twitter at Will McFadden. And if you like the show, please, uh, you know, subscribe to the channel. Tell your friends about it. We'll uh, we'll be here throughout football season. Got a pretty big and exciting announcement coming up, probably the uh, the next episode. So definitely stay tuned for that. Um, but before we get into everything later today and my guest, Danny Kelly, who it's always a joy to talk to him. He's really, really knowledgeable about fantasy football, does all the draft stuff as well over at the ringer. Um, so definitely check that out. It was a great conversation later today, but before we get into that, here's a uh, word from the sponsor. If you're into sports betting, bet online is where you should go to win money today. Whether it's live bets during games or futures for who you think will win the championship, BetOnline has all the latest odds, news, and information for all your online sports betting needs. Visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next big game, head on over to BetOnline and start playing today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, today's cold open. Um, I figured with the uh, the Falcons taking on the Tennessee Titans on Friday in the first preseason game of their 2021 season, that I would, as somebody who has had to watch every single preseason game over the last four years, and and I mean, who am I kidding? I'll probably watch all of them this year as well, but I just won't have to. Uh, we all know that they're they're pretty boring, but there are some things about watching a preseason game that are worth paying attention to. And then there are a lot of things that are misleading and that you should either completely ignore. uh, They may be fool's gold or, you know, just aren't worth really kind of giving energy to. So I I just thought today that I would try to my best to (laughs) explain how to properly watch a preseason game. If you really want to kind of get smarter or make some more detailed guesses into what the coaching staff may be thinking. And, and look, this is by no means completely you know accurate as it pertains to this staff all of that being said this is just some stuff that i've noticed over the couple of years and having to watch these games and cover these games that i have learned you know pay attention to this don't pay attention to this the first thing is it's about players not plays in these games we all know that these coaches aren't tipping their hands these these coaches especially for a new coaching staff don't really even necessarily know what they have to work with yet, or they haven't seen it all combined, all the elements mixed together. And what does that paint color look like? And that's because there just hasn't been enough time, you know, uh, uh, off seasons are truncated now as it is and getting somebody out there for a coach to really see, okay, I've got this in mind for what this player could be, but can he actually do these things? And practice gives you a little bit of that. Games will give you a lot more of that, but the plays that we're going to see aren't, the thing to pay attention to they're going to come out here in you know the eye formation on the first play handed off the next play you're they're going to run all slant i mean it's going to be really basic early day install stuff that they're going to be out there and and it's going to mainly again be tailored to what a player can do so if you really want to figure out what matters i would say pay attention to an individual player on each play it could be the same player for multiple plays it could be somebody you really want to watch or are curious about or it could be a different player every single play. I would maybe 
you know, watch a guy for, for a series or something. And then, or if it's a longer series, three or four plays, it, you know, move on to another person. And that gives you a little bit of a sense. It's a very small sample size still, but all of this is going to be a small sample size. Cause I, I, outside of the third, fourth, fifth string guys, not a lot of, of the game names, you know, are going to get big run, um, in these games, but watch a guy individually, see how he performs, not necessarily the success of the individual play, but the individual player. And it could be a three yard loss, but the guy you're watching did his job to a T or it could be a touchdown and you're watching the right tackle who absolutely got beaten around the corner. The quarterback just got the ball out in time. So things like that. I I think you guys get, get what I'm saying. Um, don't be fooled by the stat line. This kind of comes in into play as well, but I see every single year, um, you know, the wide receiver, that catches four passes for 87 yards and, and one of them's a touchdown. Everybody now is, is coming out and he's super high on their list and that he's, his stock is rising that he, you know, the coaches are always going to say, because having been a part of the media, that's what we ask about. It's, it's not fun to be like, okay, well, Grady Jarrett only played two snaps, but can you, can you tell me now more about how he's going to fit into this versatile front that you guys plan to run through? Like, that's not the time for those questions. We're just covering that game and we've got all week to ask those questions. So of course, a lot of the quotes coming out are going to be about the guys who had big stat lines, but that doesn't mean that they were in the coach's eyes, the best players in that game. And again, the coaches will have the benefit of reviewing all of the game film and they are going to look player by player. And evaluate that way so fans will not necessarily have that benefit of being able to rewatch multiple times unless you're a crazy person who rewatches preseason games but i mean i've done it too um so don't be fooled by the stat line because this if you sit there and you watch individual players you should have a much better sense of who had a good night in even if they didn't necessarily pop on the stat line um so situational awareness matters a lot to coaches in these games it's it's not, did you make a lot of tackles? It's, well, maybe you made some tackles because you weren't where you were supposed to be. And so, sure, you know, it's great that you made a tackle, but on a, on a game day that actually matters, can I trust you to do your assignment? Because it's not a one versus 11 game. It's an 11 on 11 game. And your teammates need to trust that you're going to be there. That's when we see blown coverages or we see guys lose contain. It's usually because somebody somewhere did something that they weren't supposed to or didn't run the correct assignment. So the ball may go the other direction. He wants to see that the cornerback still maintained leverage against whatever route his receiver was running, even though the ball went nowhere near him. So again, watch the players don't necessarily watch the plays because it's more the down to down. It's while you're in there during the game. Sure. You can make a couple of big impact plays and that's great. It's even better if you're doing your job when you make those plays. And if you're not doing your job and you make the play, that's still cool. Like great, but you can bet that the coach is going to say, yeah, but you should have been here and and I need you to be there. And this is why. So situational awareness matters a lot. And because of that, also coaches love to be in situations. They want to be in a third and long. They want to be backed up against their own goal line. You know, they want to be in the red zone, kicking a 47 yard field goal, punting backed up against the goal. I mean, all of these things, because it it's so much better now to be in that situation than when the game actually matters. So don't be surprised if, if coaches do things differently in this game than they would in a normal game, which brings me to my next point is coaches will call things for specific players. And even if something seems to be working, you know, let's say they go out there against Tennessee and they were just running the ball down their throat. Who cares? You know, that's great. That's great news for probably the offensive line and the run game or the running backs. Like we're going to be excited about that and probably rightfully so, but the coach isn't really trying to win this game. He's trying to get an evaluation on all of these players. So if they run the ball and are just getting seven yards a carry, they're going to start throwing the ball. Like, and it, it's not because they're trying to throw this game or they, they just don't care about winning this game. And they want to be able to get clean evaluations on, on every, everything on all facets of the game. They want to get this guy in that situation, that guy in that situation, do it multiple times, bootleg the quarterback both ways, all that stuff. So they're going to just call things for specific players. Game flow be damned, which is probably why a lot of these games are not that much fun to watch because they're just disjointed in so many different ways. Um, nothing with this, nothing that happens with the starters matters. 
Uh, so just go ahead and get that. Uh, like, I don't care if they go with three and out. It Again, it doesn't matter. They're, these aren't really the plays they're going to be running in week seven. And, it, you know, if Matt Ryan comes out and throws an interception, that doesn't mean he's washed. It just doesn't. None of this stuff matters. We're going to get maybe like a seven play opening drive on Friday from the starters and probably not because I don't even know how much the starters are going to play. None of this matters. So I, nothing with the starters matters. I will say one final time. Um, you'll be able to tell who's actually in a competition in some of these games. Like, I think that that is something that does matter and is worthwhile to watch because we've been hearing a lot about the, you know, is there a battle at right tackle, the left guard center rotation, um, now kind of outside linebacker once now that Dante Fowler is back, how is that going to work with Steven means and Jacob Turioti Mariner safety? So there are some valuable things to glean from that, but coaches usually aren't going to tip their hand. So if there's a rotation, you can bet that most of the guys are going to be getting about the same amount of snaps. It's just that once we get late into the second quarter, early in the, in the third quarter, if you notice the same guys are kind of coming in and out and it's okay, we've got Willie Beavers getting this series. And then the next series, Jalen Mayfield comes out and maybe Caleb McGarry hasn't appeared since the end of the first quarter. Like then that kind of tells you the pecking order a little bit, but, but the coaches aren't going to fully reveal their hand with the pecking order by saying, oh, okay, it was clearly like this guy got the least snaps. This guy got the second least. And then this dude played the entire second half. Like that's only going to be the case probably at quarterback um, and, and wide receiver. So you, again, you can, you can tell what the competition is, especially as the, as the game goes along, but don't read too, too much into that. And then coaches know way, way, way more than we will after getting little snapshots of each of these games. I mean, the, a player, it's legitimately real that a player could come in and play 10 plays in Friday's game. And that's all we're going to see. And some people will sit there and be like, man, you know, I, I really don't think Chris Lindstrom looked sharp tonight. And it's it's kind of like, all right, that was that was 10 plays in uh, what has been, you know, a couple of weeks of training camp now and will continue on for for a few more weeks. So the coaches are around them all the time. They know if a player's dinged up going into this game and nobody else, you know, we haven't heard a thing about it. They know who's been practicing really well and is coming in this game with a lot of momentum. They know who's been struggling and really needs this game to, like, start turning things around. They have all of that context. On top of that, they get all of the footage they get all of the practice tape to review they get all of this game tape they're there with them every day in practice talking to them so we are all going to naturally react on three small snapshots of what is a month and a half long process and that's why we're all naturally going to be disappointed when the player that we really liked who had a great game three and a pretty good game one doesn't make the 53-man roster and it's probably because over the larger sample size, the coaching staff saw enough to say, Hey, there were three other players at his position better that we trust more to take into the season. And that's our decision. And that's fine. So it's fun and and cheer and enjoy for a lot of these guys, because these are the only three games they may ever get to play in the NFL. And I've covered every undrafted free agent who's come through Atlanta the past four years, a lot of them are awesome guys and have were amazing players throughout the entire history of their football careers. It just so happens that the NFL is a business. Now, some of them stick as roster or practice squad guys, and that's awesome. And I, you know, I hope a lot of guys go out there and and prove to be worthy of getting a role like that with hope for the future. Um, But, but don't get too, too invested with, guys who may flash or pop in the preseason and then get all upset when they don't make the roster. That doesn't mean the coaching staff has no idea what they're doing. It just means they actually know way more than us. Um, And then finally, finally, the outcome doesn't matter at all. The only thing that matters in this game is health. Come away injury-free. You can go 0-3 in the preseason and win a Super Bowl. It's happened so many times. In NFL, not the 0 3 part, but just like going winless in the preseason, going on to win the Super Bowl, it's happened. It, the wins in the preseason 
aren't a predictor of anything. So just stay healthy on Friday, stay healthy in game two and stay healthy in game three and in all of the practices and the Falcons will be in as good a shape as they could have hoped for. I think heading into the regular season, which is really drawing much closer and should get everybody excited. Be excited for Friday. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to be watching obviously, and I'm excited to see the Falcons take the field again, but don't live and die on every single if three and out that Atlanta has on Friday night, because there's probably going to be a lot of them for both teams. That's just the way these games work. All right, let's get on to my conversation with Danny Kelly. It was really enlightening for those of you who like fantasy football, as I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, you probably do. Uh, He had a lot of great insight into all of the key players uh, for fantasy for Atlanta and some of the ones who, you know, may not be on the radar for everybody. But here we go. I'm very excited to have the Ringers, Danny Kelly, joining me today. Danny is the Ringers resident fantasy expert alongside Danny Heifetz and Craig Horlbeck. And all three of them are the hosts of the Ringer Fantasy Football Show, which is an excellent podcast where they do things like explain the main characters of the upcoming season using Talladega Nights quotes. So (laughs) if you're into football and you're into Will Ferrell movies... Yep. Probably a very big crossover there. They've got that market covered. Uh, Danny, what's up, man? Thank you so much for hopping on. No problem. You're just, uh, yeah, you're um, right now. I'm working on, we're doing the next one. It's Anchorman. So another Will, uh, or, or uh, what's his name? Will, now Ferrell. I'm totally, Will Ferrell. I was like, <laughs> I had like a blank there. Uh, yeah, Will Ferrell. Uh, some really good ones in that one. So I'm excited about where we go with this. But, uh, but yeah, thanks for the intro. Oh, heck yeah, man. I'm, I'm excited for that Anchorman one. That's, I, I think I like that one a little bit better than, than Talladega Nights. It's like but maybe the most quotable movie ever. I, I, know that, I know that you guys are going to save it for an extra special rewatchable, but it's killing me that that's not out there. Because I would have re-listened <laughs> to it probably 15 times by now. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how they do the, the selection of the movies, but yeah, they're like, I think they like want to build up some, you know, some anticipation, do all that stuff. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, let's, we're obviously not here to, uh, to talk about the scheduling of, uh, or the schedule of a podcast. <laughs> um, so let's, let's dive on in. Um, mm-hmm. you know, the more things obviously change with Atlanta and Julio Jones from a fantasy perspective, I don't even think if Julio were still on Atlanta, he's not even the the number one player that we'd be talking about. That would still be Calvin Ridley. So yeah. I'm going to ask this first question as, as a two-parter, because I really don't think that they're so related that the way that you view the second part of the question is just inherently going to affect your answer for the first one. Mm-hmm. So first is, is Calvin Ridley. Do you, do you expect him to, from a fantasy standpoint, be better, worse, or about the same as he was last year? And then obviously how will Julio's absence affect him and kind of all of right. that equation? So yeah, to answer your first question, I guess, yes, I do expect him to be better. I'm expecting him to continue with his sort of ascent into the elite ranks of fantasy, you know, football and just overall football, like real football as one of the better and best receivers in the NFL. Um, I think, you know, first of all, if anything, it's just, I think he's going to have more volume because when you lose a guy like Julio Jones, who is, you know, the quote unquote go-to guy in your offense, even though um, I think Ridley was already starting to kind of like, surpass him in, in that sort of mm-hmm. hard to define role, I guess. You know what I mean? Like Julio's the, just the Julio. Falcons. The Falcons had it a little bit when uh, Julio occupied that space while Roddy white was still here. There mm-hmm. was, there was like a two to three year period where you could tell there was a changing of the guard, but it, it that's hadn't quite way. happened yet. Yeah. That's a great way to put it. The changing of the guard. And so now I think he's the guy, you know, that means he's going to be the, the guy that uh, Matt Ryan's looking for in like the key situations, all that stuff. Um, in the red zone, he's already been, he's already proven to be like a really good touchdown scorer. I don't know if that's like actually a skill or <laughs> what, but like he clearly has uh, yeah. an ability and a talent for scoring touchdowns. That was like the big story on him. Like as after his rookie year, mm-hmm. everyone was like, Oh, there's no way that he could continue to score touchdowns at that rate. And, I, and maybe he didn't at the actual rate, but like, he's still shown the ability to find the end zone, which has always been something that sort of dogged uh, Julio Jones. Yeah. So um I do think he's going to explode this year in in the fantasy world. I think he's going to have a really big season. Um, If he can stay healthy, you know, an elite route runner can get separation. Obviously there's chemistry there with Matt Ryan built in. 
Um, the downside of losing Julio is clearly that like defenses, Julio is a field tilting type player where the defenses are going to have to always know where he is, always be paying attention to that. Maybe tilt their defense in his direction and, and sort of, you know, I not like let Ridley get open, but like just dedicate fewer resources to like figuring out what Ridley's going to be doing on any given play. Um, but now I, I think throwing in a guy, a, a highly talented playmaker, a, a mismatch creator like Kyle Pitts into this offense is, you know, I'm not going to say he's going to be Julio Jones right away, right? but it's going to help ease the loss, I guess, of, or mitigate the loss of Julio Jones in this offense and, and give them a two pronged attack. So defenses can't just focus in purely on really, I think if, if Pitts wasn't there and they just gotten rid of Julio, I think I probably would have been a little bit like more down on, on Ridley's prospects, just from an efficiency point of view, you know, defenses are going to clamp down on this guy, make you throw to Olamade, uh, Oh, sorry. Olamade. Olamade. I knew I did know it. And I was just slow to Olamade Zacchaeus. Is it Zacchaeus or Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus there you go. Uh, or like Russell Gage or, or whoever, you know, and like right. make those guys beat you, which I think would be a really good plan. Now the Falcons have two guys still in that offense. You know, Mike Davis is no slouch out of the backfield as a pass catcher either. So they still have, you know, some really good talented um, skill players. And, and I think that, you know, that, that gives really the chance to kind of do what he wants to do. And, and I think he's going to have a huge year. Yeah, we'll we'll get to a, a lot of the other players that you just mentioned. But one thing with with Calvin, uh, and you mentioned the the target share probably going up. I, I found this interesting though in, in Warren Sharp's kind of like football preview book. Um, when Julio was not out on the field, which was more often than not last season for Atlanta, uh, Calvin's target share only it did go up, but it only went up by about six percent. Mm. Um, so it wasn't like they drastically just Matt immediately started targeting. Um, Calvin, but you mentioned the touchdowns. If anybody like draft Calvin Ridley, don't try to trade for Calvin Ridley because his touchdown numbers are insane. Like the first five weeks of the season. I, I mean, <laughs> if you go back, just like draft, if there are multiple touchdown games, it's I, cause I just remember writing a piece after week three, I think. And it was like, Calvin Ridley is on pace for to break like the touchdown record. Yeah. Um, and he, he's done that in multiple seasons. And when they, when the scores come, they kind of come in bunches with Calvin. So, I, I mean, I agree. I think that he's, it's because of the touchdown production that he is going to, I think, be there year in and year out because that, that is a skill. I mean, if you're not physical, you have to be able to create separation. And he does that as well as anybody in the game. Real quickly, because he's probably not super relevant from a fantasy standpoint, but Russell Gage, does, does he do anything for you? So, yeah, it's tough because I think he's definitely a guy to have on your radar in sort of the later rounds as a, um, especially in PPR leagues where, you know, there, mm-hmm. there's going to have to distribute the passes to other guys. You know, Zacchaeus is getting some hype in the preseason. Yep. Uh, Gage is there. I'm interested to see what happens with Frank Darby. He's been pretty quiet in, in training camp, at least from an outsider's point of view. They haven't heard a lot about it, about how he's done. Yep. Um, so it's kind of one of those things where, somebody's going to have to be catching passes from them for them, but I don't exactly know who it is. Is maybe that's going to be like um, a guy like Hayden Hurst, you know, instead of, right. you, you know, I don't know how the, the dis- targets will get distributed. In fact, I saw it was kind of funny. Um, and I think this is a good indication of how little we should pay attention to these uh, depth chart releases, but oh, yeah. Hayden Hurst was actually the starter for the Falcons. So then, you know, know, maybe we should be really high on Hayden Hurst it's instead crazy. of Scott Pitts. Um, <laughs> I don't know what that's all about. I think obviously it just doesn't really matter. But. We, we know what it's all about. Yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's sending a message to the rookies. Yeah, you don't. You have to earn it. You yeah. have to earn it or whatever. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think, you know, Gage is the guy who's on my radar, but I'm not like aggressively targeting him, if that makes any sense. No, it makes perfect sense. Um, let's, uh, so Kyle Pitts, the, the second string tight end for Atlanta. Um, <laughs> I do think, because they had multiple tight end um, slots on there. I kind of feel like one was here's our like main tight end receiving tight end branch. And then here's like our blocking tight end branch when we go jumbo or we need an extra, that's kind of the vibe that I got. Um, I do think they're going to be running a lot of 12 personnel this year, which comes Mm. as no surprise with Arthur Smith, but Mm -hmm. Kyle Pitts, where does he kind of slot in for you in, in the draft process? 
So we've got him in our, in the ringer fantasy draft guide, we've got him as a tight end four. And like, part of me is, is thinking that's aggressive, but also Mm -hmm. most of me is just like, whatever, this guy is a very rare prospect, a very rare athlete, um, a very talented player. And most importantly, he lands in a situation where I think he's going to be relied relied upon early on. Like he's not going to go in and have to sit behind, be like fourth or fifth on the rung, uh, you know, on the depth chart or whatever, or not even the depth chart, just like as a target. Yeah. Like yeah. exactly. And so um, I think he's going to be the number two guy from the get go. Um, you, despite, despite those very important depth chart releases. Um, so I think, yeah, I'm, I'm really bullish on him. I think he's just, he's just a special prospect, a, a very unique player, obviously the athleticism length explosion and just skill. Like, I think that's the difference really that sets him apart from a lot of the guys that like his predecessors, I I'd say where we've gotten really excited about super athletic pass catching tight ends that have come into the NFL and been top 10 picks like Ebron is sort of like the the main example that like Kellen Winslow jr. Or somebody just, yeah. yeah, exactly. And like in the past, I feel like no one's really had the skill that I think Pitts has shown off. Like, body control in the air route running. He's running routes against corners in college and like first round corners yeah. and getting open against these guys. Um, he's just a really, really good receiver in addition to having the elite, elite physical traits. So I think in the past, basically what I'm saying is in the past, it's always been like, we get really excited about elite physical traits and, and forget that it takes a lot of like nuanced skill to play in yes. the NFL. And I think Pitts has that for sure. So I, I know given all of that, how good he is, the the skill, because I do think that's something that we've lost a little bit and everybody just saying, well, he's a unicorn, you know, that implies physical gift that you may then need to grow into with, with the skill and technique. But I, I agree. I do think that the reason Kyle Pitts was so dominant because there are physical freaks in college all the time. Sure. Not all of them are doing what he did, but yep. all of that being said, we know the history of struggles for rookie tight ends because it is just, right. it, it's such a complicated, I remember talking to um, maybe it was Steve Sarkeesian or, or, or it was somebody about this, but basically they said outside of quarterback tight end is the most complicated position. Mm. Um, and because they are just involved in so many different facets of the game. And then on top of that, are you matched up against a linebacker or a safety or a corner or all of that stuff? So it's a struggle for rookies. Yep. Yeah. Do you think that there's a better chance Kyle Pitts wins somebody their league by just outblowing projection or that he loses people their league because they overdraft him based on what he ends up doing. <laughs> oh man, that's tough. So <laughs> the, the, Take I think anywhere the, you want. Yeah. So it, what's tough about Pitts is right now, most of the time I think, or like if you talk, talk, talking about ADP, you're sort of drafting him at, near his ceiling, you know, like, I guess there's a chance or there's it's in the realm of possibility that from like year one, he's like Travis Kelsey, good, like, and putting right. up those kind of numbers, there's that always that insane. chance. I'm not, I mean, like Justin Jefferson last year, no one really expected him to put up 1400 yards and he did it. Right. But it's much more probable. I would say we're talking about probability that he's going to disappoint based on, um, the hype. However, I think, you know, that doesn't mean don't draft him. I'm just, saying like, be aware that you're sort of drafting him at like near best case scenario. Um, so that does make him a little bit risky, I would say. And, but I, I'm just so bullish on him and so excited about like what he can do. And again, like I said before in this offense, like he, they need him to be that guy. Um, that's right. why I'm still willing to take him. It's, you know, there's a lot of risks with every player really. I mean, like you have injury risk, you have, you know, just like there's a million variables in football. Um, I do say you're probably drafting him around his peak, but um, I think that's, you know, kind of the case with most early round guys, to be honest. Yeah, no, that, that's, that's a good point. Uh, I, I know that there are some people out there that like to draft two tight ends, have one of them mm-hmm. taken up a spot on the bench. I don't know if, if you are or not, but I load that. I load the bench up with running backs and receivers. That's yeah. just that's how I go. Um, but sometimes I'll do like a, if I do that, I'll do two late round tight ends. You know, because it's like opportunity cost. I'd rather go with, you know, a, an elite receiver or a, a really right. good running back at that spot, and then just try try my luck on like Adam Troutman and Zach Ertz <laughs> in the last two rounds or something, and see how it goes. Um, but yeah, no. Generally speaking, it's 
so if you're going say, stud tight end, you don't really need to like go later, probably. Right. I, I like I'm a mid tier, mid tier kind of later guy. Um, mm-hmm. I like I like to find, um, you know, that maybe that guy that's coming back off of an injury and is off everybody's radar or Darren Waller that one year. I heard you guys hyping him up and I was like, all right, I can get Darren Waller in the seventh round. That's fine. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Hayden Hurst, let's say you're doing that draft, take a flyer on two guys late, late in the thing. Would he fit into that conversation for you or would would you even have him, you know, probably lower than that? Uh, Hayden Hurst, I think he's actually a pretty good example. Um, he's not in. So we've got it in our rankings that we've got 200. Zach Ertz is the last one, I believe, you know, according to what I'm looking at. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe it's Gronk, but he's in that range. I think Hurst would be in that range where. You're sort of taking a flyer. I mean, it's not like Atlanta, you know, a year ago, they gave up a second round pick, I believe, to get this right. guy. It's not like they want to give up on him completely. And, and like you said, um, Arthur Smith is coming from an offense that run, ran a lot of two tight end sets. And, you know, there was moments there where he had, he did flash, I think, last year a little bit here and there. It's not like he was nearly as good as I think everyone was hoping he would be. But um yeah. You know, he was playing third fiddle to two very good receivers. So um, <laughs> I think, you know, now with Pitts, I, I'm certainly more optimistic about Pitts, but I think, you know, there is a chance that Hayden Hurst can give you like a, a solid week to week, like flex option at the position. Maybe he'll be a little more involved than we think. And um, again, like it's, it's when you're looking for the, sleepers it's like you always want to look for guys that there's an uncertain sort of like pecking order in the passing offense and i think that's the case with falcons where it's clearly ridley and pitts and then who knows and and you know maybe he's that guy and and i do know um he showed up to it's a cliche at this time of year every year but he showed up to camp in the best shape of his life oh yeah and uh dropped didn't he gain weight or no he dropped dropped like 17 pounds he's down to 250 right now you can see like his abs and stuff in, in pictures so Oh, okay. He's clearly motivated. They didn't pick up his fifth year option. So it's contract year. So, you know, more reasons to maybe buy low and uh, Mm. hope for the best, but interesting. I know, I know you're dying to talk about the running back situation. So we'll get to that in (laughs) one second, but I just got to talk about Matt Ryan real quick because sure. So Arthur Smith, obviously like Matt Ryan, if, if everything works out well, Matt Ryan will most benefit, I think from everything clicking. Is he a little bit undervalued at this point just because of the way everybody talks about him? Where like, the production usually hasn't been necessarily an issue. The interceptions have kind of ticked up a little bit. It's more the actual stuff that matters for reality, the winning the games, the doing all that stuff. But from a fantasy perspective, like you could do worse. What, sure. what do you think the possible range of outcomes for this season could be for Matt Ryan? And where would you feel comfortable? probably drafting him. Yeah. So he right now I'm just looking at our rankings. We got him at the QB 18 right around Baker Mayfield and just a little bit behind Kirk cousins. And I can see him being, you know, I wouldn't blame anyone if they'd rather take Matt Ryan than Kirk cousins. Like Kirk cousins is never going to be <laughs> someone that people get excited about drafting. Yeah. I would say, I would guess, um, unless like you're in his family or something, but like, I think, you know, Matt Ryan has that upside in the past. He's been like a top five fantasy quarterback in the real world now with running quarterbacks. I doubt that is possible or it's possible, but it's very unlikely. Um, I'd say, you know, like in theory, his upside would be a lower end QB one, which I think would be a good outcome for him for sure, especially where he's getting drafted right now. Um, And I think that's definitely in the realm of possibility. I mean, like he's a couple of years off of an MVP season where he just lit defenses up we saw what Arthur Smith was able to do with a guy like Ryan Tannehill who came in with like very middling career numbers. And all of a sudden he was lighting it up in this offense, like play action, um, you know, really smart scheming, really smart uh, play sequencing, all that stuff I think is really important. And, it, and assuming Matt Ryan can kind of hit the ground running in this offense and like pick it up pretty quickly. That's always a big question. Um, mm-hmm. But assuming he can, you know, it's not like that difference of an offense than when the one he ran, you know, with Shanahan, where that was again like very predicated on you know uh, play action and misdirection and and um, very good play sequencing, all that stuff. Like he had a great play caller behind him, and he was able to execute that offense to like near perfection for most of the season. Right. Um, so you know, obviously, I, I think there was a lot of excitement before Julio got traded um, prior to the draft. Um, well, I guess like walk me 
Walk me through the timeline again. Who got traded before the draft or after the draft? After, after the draft, but I guess it came out before that's right. words that he had apparently requested a trade prior to that's that. right. So, so there was some there was some overlap where it was Pitts, Julio, and Ridley, and people were getting very excited yeah. about this idea of like just going scorched earth. And I think that was actually it did make a lot of sense at the time. But that's why you don't take a quarterback is just your offense is just going to be freaking crazy and go off on teams. And um, that's going to give you a chance to compete in the NFC South. Um, and then when they traded Julio, it was like, okay, well now what's the plan? I, I kind of don't really get yeah. that. Um, but at the end of the day, and so what I'm saying is like the excitement about around Ryan has definitely subsided a lot. I would say like for those few weeks or whatever it was, the overlap time when, uh, you know, the Falcons had that, that trio of receivers, I think people were looking at Ryan, like one of the best values in the draft, you know, yeah. in, in fantasy, in fantasy drafts. Um, and now it's more just like, Oh, he's got a solid floor. His upside's probably kind of limited. Um, but, and that's kind of like where I am with him, but I think there's always a realm of possibility that Kyle Pitts just hits the ground running and this offense is a lot better than we thought. Yeah. I mean, Kyle, the, traditionally like Matt Ryan would be the type of guy in, in any year that I would draft a quarterback. Cause I usually, typically value the the type of it's a real, like, I think I just know more than other people type of move uh, from me, which is <laughs> like, uh, I drafted Carson once, I think after his rookie year where I was like, yeah, but the first like he was so good to start. And then I know he faded, like, I'm going to take low on this guy. I used to do that mm-hmm. all the time with somebody like Philip rivers, where I was like, yeah, go ahead and take all your guys. Like I kind of know what I'm going to get in Phil. I'm just going to be happy taking him there in the 11th round. And I'll take up all these other spots or like Carson yeah. Palmer, in Arizona was like another example of, of somebody like that. So I think Matt Ryan slots into that role pretty well. For and, sure. Yeah. And I think, I think you could get some, some upside if, if the quarterbacks start to slip and then you can really target some other positions, but all right, let's do running backs. And I, I know we're going to talk about Mike Davis a little bit, but I want to start with the question that I kind of posed to you a little bit earlier, which is, is Corderell Patterson worth drafting and stashing to just see what happens? Uh, Last round, sure, go for it. I, I, I I'm sort of not bu- super bullish on him just because over the course of his career, he's sort of played so many roles and had, um, you know, different. Like he's a receiver for a while, like special teamer, yeah. Turner, um, you but know, the he's, he's never really been there. Yeah, it's the the production and like the uh, reality has never met the hype or the ex- expectation or sort of like this pipe dream that I think a lot of fantasy yeah. players have that he's going to turn into this like. <laughs> you know, elite slash player where he's like a receiver and a running back all, all in one. Right. Um, he's also not like a spring chicken anymore. I'm not saying he's like not athletic cause he clearly is, but he's getting a little older. He's, he's uh, further along in his career. So no, I'm not like super bullish on it. I think he is one of those guys that kind of have on your radar and, and keep in mind. Um, but until that, ha- until like we see that happening, I'm, I'm, leaning more like it's probably going to be Mike Davis. And then maybe I guess like Quadri Allison as the, you know, one B goal line back, yeah. maybe he's going to snipe a bunch of, a bunch of touchdowns. And maybe he's like a, a usable flex here and there, if you're desperate type of deal. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm not super excited about Cordero Patterson at this point. Um, unless you want to convince me otherwise. <laughs> um, no, I, I think I'm just uh, enamored with the notion of having uh, 12 personnel out there, but having uh Cordero Patterson in the backfield Ooh. and you could essentially have just like five wide receivers on the field at the same time. I mean, that okay, now be, that's exciting. That See, this is, this fun. is always, this is what happens. We get sucked into these, like <laughs> to these ideas. Know, yeah. These, but creative. it is, that is, that is exciting and, and interesting. I hadn't really thought about that. So I like that. Um, so Mike Davis, well, let's, let's talk to the guy who's probably actually getting the bulk of the run, uh, right. not running back for, for Atlanta. Um, does he kind of slot in at the middle of the pack? Like he, he got as much of the opportunities he could hope for last year in Carolina and, and handled it pretty well, but I, I don't think he dominated. Mm-hmm. It's not like he was a breakout player or anything. Um, but is he maybe, do you think he'll be overvalued a little bit in drafts because of the connection out of Arthur Smith and what Arthur Smith did with Derrick Henry? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's very tough. I, I think I'm trying not to get, overly bullish on Davis. I do think in terms of, so we've got him at RB 22. So low end 
RB2 type player. You know, he's going to have that floor because I think he's going to get enough volume to be a reliable player. And like you said, he's shown enough throughout his career that he's a, a talented runner. He's a physical runner. He can make guys miss. Um, he's decent in the passing game, all that stuff. Like it, it looks good, but um, I think like, you know, he's definitely not Derrick Henry type player. Um, and yeah. <laughs> he did sort of fade. It felt like he faded a little bit towards the end of the year in terms of like his explosiveness. And, and yeah. maybe that was just because he was banged up, but like, that's the other thing is like Derrick Henry is just such an outlier in terms of his ability to get stronger and stronger as the season goes on and, and continue to just produce these ridiculous games. Mike Davis is not that guy. So we should not have expectations that he will be that guy. And based on, you know, this, the other thing is just like, it's based on what the Falcons have done this off season. It doesn't feel like they're prioritizing the run game quite as much as the passing game. Obviously Kyle Pitts, you know, fourth overall pick. Um, Mike Davis is just a journeyman running back. They didn't draft any other running backs until, yeah. uh, did they even draft? No, they took two no. uh, undrafted free agents. Yep. Um, you know, they signed uh, De- Deontay Foreman this, this week. And it's just like, none, yeah. none of it, none of that like says, oh yeah, we're going to be like, the run game is going to be right. our foundation. Like it, it feels more like they're going to pass the ball a lot. So that those are the reasons I'm not like super excited about Mike Davis. I do think he's a good player and I've got him like around, you know, like, you know, Kareem hunt, Travis Etienne, Damian Harris, like in that sort of like tier of running backs, miles Gaskin, where I don't think there's an elite ceiling, but there is a good floor. You know, if you miss out on the first couple uh, tiers of running backs and you just need a guy that's going to like slot into your lineup and get you 12, 13 points or 10 points or whatever, um, you know, he could be that guy, but the question is number one, are the Falcons going to run a lot? I don't know. Are they going to be in the lead a lot? Probably not. I mean, I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. We'll see. Um, but he's not going to be the kind of guy. It doesn't seem like he'll be the type of guy. who's going to be like salting away games in the second half. Like, uh, right. you know, of these games, if anything, his value, he might be undervalued based on his receiving chops. Um, in which case, you know, maybe that's where he has that ceiling as a, as a pass catcher. So, um, it's it's hard to read the situation is my is my overall point. Yeah, I think it's and I think it's hard to read the situation as well because you really there are no comparisons that can be made to like what uh the Falcons have and what Tennessee had and Arthur Smith's abilities as a as a kind of like run play caller because there there's no copying Derrick Henry. I mean, he's a singular outlier in the NFL and I went back and just looked at did like the number two back on Tennessee's team in, in last season and in 2019. Jeremy McNichols last year, 47 carries for 204 yards. Deion yeah. Lewis in 2019, 54 carries for 209. Like, there's just no track record of can he make a running back by committee work? To, like, because like those guys got no touches, and yeah. Derrick yeah. Henry had all the volume. And I don't think either of us think Mike Davis is capable of something like that. And yeah, so it all depends on, okay, well then how much do they use Mike Davis? Does he totally go in the other direction? And all right, you get 13 carries, you get 10, you get eight. Like, what do you, what do you do there? So yeah, I I think Mike Davis is like, he, you could trust him more if you knew the volume was going to be there, but because that's also such a big question mark, it's it's hard. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I think that, I think that that's probably a, good read on the situation. And I also think that given just from a real world perspective, knowing how salary cap and financially strapped they were, I think that they looked at, okay, Mike Davis is probably good value for what they paid him in real life. Bring uh-huh. him in here. You know, they, they can kind of have the same qualities a little bit as, as Derek Henry, but clearly a, a lesser man's version it's, of all yeah, those skills. Exactly. Um, the off-brand, off-brand exactly. version. Yeah, so um, bargain shopping a little bit on the run game. From from a roster point of view, if you had to guess today, like who would be, so how, how would the pecking order work out at the running back position? Because like right now, in terms of like the dynasty fantasy community, right. people are like, oh, JV and Hawkins, mm-hmm. you know, we thought he was going to get drafted in the third round or whatever, and he ended up going undrafted for whatever reason. He's an explosive guy, undersized guy, but maybe he has a role in this offense, Caleb um, Huntley, I think is intrigued some people based on his physicality and, and, and all that stuff. Obviously they just signed Deontay Foreman. Um, if you had to guess right now, like how is it going to shake out? What would you say? 
I mean, I would, I think that this is one of the position groups that all the beat writers like they're it's the one they're most intrigued as well, yeah. because yeah. Y- you can never really, t- it does seem like uh, Patterson has developed a real role, at least so far in training camp, which means nothing, but sure. just like they, they seem to have an idea of how they want to use him. Um, Padre, I, I believe is dinged up a little bit, which I think is maybe why they brought in Deontay Foreman. Uh, mm. I, I don't know if he's going to necessarily suit up in Friday's game. So that could have just been a, Hey, we need, we need somebody we need in here to body. actually like run the offense, um, yeah. which would make sense given his history and connection to Arthur Smith. Um, Good point. Hawkins and, and Huntley, I don't think have impressed as much as people, the hype, like heading into the, to the year. I think yeah. they've, they both had some good flashes, but it's not like we're everybody's doing all the recaps every day, just mm-hmm. raving about, about these two guys. But that comes yep. with the big caveat that it's almost impossible to actually evaluate a running back during a training camp practice. You really yeah. have to go either a live practice against another team or these preseason games. I like, I would say for Hawkins and Huntley, if one of those guys really, really lights up two of the three preseason games, then they've got an outside shot at the 53. Um, yeah. I would say right now practice squad for, for one of those two might be the, the bet there. Um, this is, yeah, this is such a sobering like reminder because <laughs> right? like off season is so fun and, and, you know, especially like in the dynasty world, it's always like, Oh, this guy could be the next, you know, look at the depth yeah. chart. It's so barren or whatever. Um, and these guys, these undrafted free agents are kind of, they're landing in a perfect spot. And like, I'd say nine times out of 10 or whatever, these guys end up not even making the team. Co- or, coaches you know. <laughs> hate undrafted free agents for whatever reason. I mean, yeah. it's, it's like, it's wild. They just coaches at the end of the day, kind of revert back to the safe thing. It's like, mm-hmm. all right, you've played in NFL games. I've actually got NFL tape on you. We know what you like we got league for 10 years to trust you know? them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's and like it, going back. I go back to my years covering the Seahawks and, um, Every year, Seattle Twitter, Seahawks Twitter would fall in, madly in love with yep. a third string running back that just freaking lit up preseason. Um, I'm trying to remember some of the names. Like Troy Main Pope was one guy who looked like incredible in the preseason action for the Seahawks. There was another guy whose name I can't even remember, Thomas, some last name Thomas. Um, and everyone was so pissed when the Seahawks cut these guys. And then they just like never ended up doing anything really like Troy, yeah. Troy main Pope is bounced around and, and done, you know, he's played a little bit, but well, the, um, the it, Falcons, it's always just funny. The Falcons version of that is, is has a connection to you and that's JD McKissick. Um, who, There's another one who yeah. lit up. Uh, I think it was uh, it, 2016 preseason and the Falcons mm-hmm. needed a returner. And he was electrifying and, and they cut him. And I believe there's, there's more to that story than um, meets the, the meets eye, the but, eye. <laughs> but yeah. And then okay. Seattle grabbed him and everybody was like, that was our guy. Like what happened? But he I was, know, and then now Seattle cut him and now he's like a star, not a star, but like he freaking <laughs> he caught like 80 passes or something last yeah. year. It's like, obviously he's a good player, but I think this, the, the point is, you know, I think that people get really excited about, um, you know, players that light up the preseason and, and like the majority of the time, it's always sort of just like a flash in the pan thing. You, you got to remember mm-hmm. they're playing against backups. Um, and, you know, it's just, it's a good reminder and a sobering reminder to not get too out in front of your skis, I guess, on some of these guys. But uh, yeah. I am very, I still am very excited to see what happens in preseason with these running backs. Well, it, you're just, you're looking through a key, like a keyhole instead of the whole door. And the coaches totally. have the whole door and fans get three totally. little snapshots to, <laughs> to watch. And the dude could go out and just have like the game of his life. And everybody's like, that guy's a future Hall of Famer. Yep. And then the coaches get to go back and watch all the practice film. They get to talk to them. They get to see what they can. And, you know, it's usually not the the small little flashes that end up getting somebody on the roster. Um, but however, maybe it's, maybe someone's going to be Thomas Rawls, you know, just like <laughs> this random guy. That's another Seahawks like preseason superstar. He actually ended up rushing for, he might've rushed for a thousand yards that one season with the Seahawks, but then just did absolutely nothing for the rest of his career. It's just bizarre. Um, <laughs> But anyway, I digress. I, I am excited to kind of see how Hawkins and, and Huntley do. And um, now I'm getting a little bit more intrigued by the Cordell Patterson thing. Yeah. Well, you know, wait and wait and see with that one as well. Um, maybe maybe have him on your watch list. Is he going to play in the preseason, though? That's the question. Like, see, I like I can't imagine he will because yeah, like, it's like for, a veteran. 
twofold. Like right? 30. He's, he's yeah, he's, he's a veteran. And if you like, if you have a unique way that you want to use him, that's not anything you're showing in the preseason. So like why risk that injury? Exactly. Um, he's 30 yeah. years old. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe oh, well. he'll return like one or two kicks, but, yeah. but even then, like he, you know what you have in, in him there. So um, yeah, maybe, maybe just wait and see on Porter <laughs> Patterson. Um, but okay. Fair enough. I like it. Danny, this, this was so much fun. Uh, I really appreciate you hopping on. Is there anything that you want to tell my East coast listeners about uh, stuff yeah. coming up from you? So check out the ringer fantasy football show. That's a podcast I host with a couple uh, buddies of mine and on the ringer podcast network and check out the ringer fantasy draft guy. We've got, uh, we have 200 players, all 200 players have um, little profiles that tells about their upside, their downside, like the bottom line, all this stuff. It's really cool. Um, you can use that draft guide when you're drafting to like check off players that have gone in your draft and it'll show you who we've got left highest ranked. It's really cool. Um, so yeah. yeah, go check those two things out. And yeah, when you're getting ready for your fantasy drafts. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is really cool. I like the way that you can kind of like save players and add them to like that separate little key. Yeah, it's, um, it's actually very functional. <laughs> yeah, like no, it. great functionality. So definitely everybody go check that out. And and Danny, thank you so much for, uh, for hopping on today. I'm talking a little bit of fantasy football. Definitely. Thank you. I hope everybody enjoyed uh, today's podcast and hearing from Danny about his thoughts on the Falcons and their fantasy football potential. I definitely, I agree with him. I think Calvin Ridley's production is here to stay. Um, he's always, he's been somebody I've always targeted in my drafts and he's yet to make me regret that decision. Um, again, I think I'm a, a little bit of a, a buy low on Matt Ryan this year. If he's, if he's there and you know, maybe I've already taken somebody who I'm excited about as my first quarterback and I'm looking for somebody to have on a bench, Matt Ryan probably makes sense for that. If, if you can get him for the right value there, because I do think that this offense is going to take a step forward. Um, but that's your decision to, uh, to make for yourself. This is all the advice you will get from me. I should mention that, uh, today's episode was presented by bet online. And again, I really hope that everybody enjoys Friday's preseason game. Atlanta Falcons football will finally be back on our televisions this friday so it'll be a lot of fun i will be watching and then next week we will probably have a big uh surprise announcement for everybody um if you've been listening this far please like and subscribe tell everybody that you know about the podcast um because season's almost here and we've got a lot of hopefully fun football coming up so in the meantime take care Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.